Welcome to the first podcast of conversations with and about an ADOS perspective. ADOS, American descendant of slavery. I'm your host, Black, not Blackish, but you can call me Mr. Black. My desire is to have conversations with baby boomers that can remember their grandfather saying the words, whoa, mule, or their grandmother baking bread on top of a wood-burning stove. This would have happened in the early 1960s. I want to speak with ancestors that can remember American apartheid that was not that long ago. My father remembers. This podcast will seek to have conversations with not only baby boomers, but the greatest generation, my parents' generations. Millennials, Generation Z, and Generation X. That's the with, the about. Who's black in America? Is Barack Obama and Kamala Harris, are they considered black? Are you a Democrat or a Republican? The feminist movement and the black woman. A black man's pride, a black woman's pride, their children. Is a college education worth it in the 2020s? Did God ever sanction chattel slavery? Who was the real Martin Luther King Jr.? Do black people have any friends? These are just a few of the conversations that I want to have with baby boomers, the greatest generation, Generation X, Generation Z, and of course, the millennials from the American descendant of slavery perspective. But I said, and I remember inspiration is a very strange thing. Sometimes it just happens like a light. And I remember getting uh, a feeling in, in my body. And I said, that's it. To be young, gifted, and black. That's all. And sat down at the piano at that moment and made up a tune. It, and it just flowed out of me. I knew what I wanted it to say in essence, but I couldn't get the words together. So I called up my musical director and told him what was on my mind, explained to him a little bit about Lorraine Hansberry because he didn't know her. And he captured the mood, and the song was born less than two days later. And um, that's been less than a month ago. So I really think that she gave it to me. That's what I mean when I say that. To be young, gifted, and black. Simone reminding us 
To be young, gifted, and black is who we are, and that's a fact. Okay, with me today, I have my neighbor for the last 18 years. We're going to call him Mr. Mac. Uh, that's an alias because some of the things that we may say or some of our views might get us counseled. I'm your host, Black Not Blackish, but you can call me Mr. Black. And this conversation is with my neighbor for the last 18 years about uh, black men, the problem, question mark. How you doing, Mr. Mac? All is well. All is well. So since this is a conversation about um, an Adolf perspective, uh, American descendants of slavery, uh, tell me who, who, who your people are, man. Where you come from? Ooh. Um, I think if I, to answer that correctly, probably uh, my people are from South Carolina. Um, it's funny that I just saw some. We we have a family tree that we're doing, and I just saw with my great grandmother. They somebody took a picture of the tombstone and sent it out, and she was born in eighteen. 33 and died in 1904 or something like that. Wow. All, all that time spent in South Carolina. My, now, my grandmother migrated from South Carolina to North Carolina. And she dropped my mom off in North Carolina. She moved on, continued on up to Jersey. Um, I actually grew up in, in North Carolina, in Charlotte. <clears throat> Excuse me. I did, I, I spent summers in Jersey, but uh, my school year was spent in North Carolina. So, technically, we, uh, my people from uh, South Carolina, so we might have some connections. You know what part of South Carolina is? Uh, yeah, uh, Chester, South Carolina, uh, near Rock Hill, South Carolina. I know. Uh, it's, 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 middle, it's, it's not... Uh, it's not upstate South Carolina, nor is it on the coast. It's kind of like in the Piedmont area. Piedmont. Well, I'm from the low country. Low uh, country. That's what I'm trying to say. Oh, low country. Large, low country. Uh, that's yeah. where my people's from. Okay, so uh, who? You, so let's get a little closer. Who's uh, your mother? Tell me about your mother. So, um, <clears throat> so my mom was a, so she was a single parent. Uh, two sisters and myself. I'm the youngest of three. Um, so we grew up uh, in Charlotte. Um, I think I, 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 like my sister had told me once, I, I, I like to say this, I didn't even know we were poor until my sister told me we was poor. So, so uh, but it was, it, for me, um, I don't know. There never was a father figure or father around. Um, mother worked a lot. Uh, so I actually became the man of the house real early, at the early age. What was your mother's occupation? My mother was a beautician. Oh. Uh, so she was, she was a beautician for a long time, but I do remember times when she used to clean, she was uh, uh, the, the, the help. I remember my mom was the help. Oh, okay. Uh, wow. She did that for a while, but then she got her, her uh, beautician's license, and from that day forward, she was a uh, she's pretty much self-employed. Wow! And your father? Well, didn't know him. Met him when I was eighteen. Uh, my mother ran 
arranged a meeting. I think he came to Charlotte from Jersey. And uh, um, she, she asked me if I wanted to see him. I was 18 now. I'd never seen him before. I, I was sure I didn't mind. So I for a total of about five minutes. Oh, five minutes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he had two sons, two of his sons with him. One about my age, one older. And uh, so it was a it was a non-event for me. Non-event. Okay. Yeah. All right. So mother and father, no. Okay. So I know you from the last eighteen years, and uh, you have been successful uh, in life amongst black men. You have reached that pinnacle of success. Uh, how did you become so su successful? I did, well, better before that, you be, do you think you became successful because of college? That's an interesting question. Um, <clears throat> I do believe that I had a lot of uh, fortunate breaks, a lot of breaks that just failed my way, uh, perhaps. I think it takes some effort as well. I, I don't think you can be successful by not trying. I think you, it has to be intentional, and I think you do have to try. Um, I was the f the first uh, in my uh, family to go, in my generation to go to, to college. My nieces after me went to college, but I was the first one to, to go away to college. Um, and I don't know, I got inspired by a lady and a guy who went to my church. They both went to North Carolina Central, which is where I went. And um, I don't know, they, they Perhaps they, they're the ones that planted the seed. They asked me about college and if I was going to go to college. And I had never even thought about college. And I think by now, I'm probably in the 10th grade, uh, uh, maybe the ninth grade. And then uh, I had a friend who uh, played sports with me, and he got a scholarship to North Carolina A&T. And I went up and watched him play football, went up and won his games. So it was at that point that I begin to really get curious about college. And uh, nobody in my household really think about college, so I took it upon myself to find out on my own through my guidance counselor. I had a black uh, guidance counselor who took a, uh, a huge interest in my success, at least from high school to college. And she told me some requirements that I needed to take, some class courses I needed to take in order to, you know, to meet the minimum standard. Well, my grade point average was fine. There was just some prerequisite classes that needed to be taken, which I didn't take. And then uh, <clears throat> I, I applied at, at the one school that I was most interested in, which was North Carolina Central. A&T was there in my mind, but the fact that I had these two adults who were alumni from this university, it made it different for me. Okay. So I applied. Okay. And got accepted. So, uh, so after college, um, Tell me about your job. So that's an interesting, uh, how I came about my job is very interesting. Um, so uh, we had a, a career placement center uh, on campus. Uh, we, a guy, a guy who ran our placement center, Mr. Merrick, never forget this guy. He's very, very, he was Afrocentric to the core. And he really was interested in the success of uh, students coming out of school. So he would always arrange for these these big companies to come and, and conduct interviews with the students, and a lot of a lot of students got jobs uh, right there in that placement center uh, that they made uh, lifelong careers out of. So I would I would go over quite a bit and interview. They you know 
the different companies that were coming in. A lot of a lot of students were getting internships. I didn't get an internship, uh, but I didn't stop trying. So my uh, senior year, uh, my second semester senior year, uh, the agency that I worked for, uh, eventually they came. <clears throat> and when I did learn about them, all of the interview slots were taken. Eight o'clock, nine o'clock, uh, the whole day were already booked up. But for some reason, I was really interested in in, um, in this particular um, employer. So I dressed up and got you know got prepared. I did some research, did some homework on them. So I went over in hopes that somebody would not show up for their appointment. So I was there. And so you, so you didn't make an appointment prior. I, I went to make an appointment, but they were all all of the appointments were t all of the slots were filled when I went there. So I kind of rolled a dice. Uh, so the eight o'clock appointment showed up, nine o'clock appointment showed up, the ten o'clock showed up, the eleven, and then the guys came out, took a break with the lunch. They came back. I was still there. The one o'clock appointment showed up, the two o'clock and the three o'clock appointment showed up. So at four o'clock, when they were finished with the last appointment, they came out, and I was still out there. And before I could say anything to those guys about, uh, and they saw me each time they came out there to take somebody in. They, I was there. I was the guy that they saw every time for the whole day. And so they they say, you know what? Your dedication. <clears throat> you've been here all day. We're gonna we're gonna give you an interview. And sure enough, I interviewed. And they only hired two people from my university that day, and I was one of the two. And uh, that was the employer that I had my entire. That's the only employer I had. Wow, my entire career. And how long was your career? 38 years. 38 years. Oh, wow. Do you think your faith had anything with your perseverance to stay from, what, 8 o'clock in the morning to 4 o'clock that afternoon? Uh, so um, I was determined, uh, whether I win or lost, I, I was determined and hopeful um, that something would happen. But where, where I believe my faith did, did come in was through my grandmother. My grandmother, I, I always like the old cliche, somebody prayed for me and, and they had me on their mind. And I, I did call my grandmother um, after I did the interview and I told her, look, I, I had an interview. I, I, I really like this, this company and if you, if you will pray for me. And when my acceptance letter came, my offer letter came, she was the first person I thought about and the fact that that her prayer had made a way for me. Okay, all right. Okay, so let's move on. Uh, so tell me about, uh, I think we have something in common. We were both in our 40s when we got married. I was 40 and you were- 42. 42. <laughs> but this is my second marriage and this was your- First marriage. And so my question to you is, uh, what took you so long? <laughs> <laughs> Other than me playing the field, uh, okay, you, you can edit that one. Out. <laughs> <laughs> Had a good time, huh? <laughs> uh, I think I, 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 I figuratively speaking, uh, I, I, want, I probably wanted to get any running I had out of my system. Uh, I thought I wanted to get that out, but I think more literally, it was the fact that I didn't have a good point of reference. Um, I didn't have a, uh, a, a two-household family when I grew up, so I didn't have that. I, I didn't have that point of reference to use to guide my own adulthood life. 
So mine's why it wasn't necessarily the hard knocks uh, as far as uh, you know marrying early uh, and establishing a family early. That was hard knocks because I was a single guy for a long time. And um, granted, I, I was fortunate enough not to have any kids during that time. <clears throat> now I will say that uh, I did give I, I, at that point, I, I, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy to share. I was living in the world. I didn't know Jesus at the time. But then once I got saved and understood the institution of marriage, mm -hmm. that is when I sincerely said that I want to get married. Now. What happened when I made the decision was I all of a sudden had a baby's mama because the my daughter's mother and I were engaged to get married. We had met and then in six months she wanted to get married. Uh, but as it turned out, uh, I didn't think that she was the person I wanted to marry, so I called it off. But then at the at, I saw her um, six months, seven months, three months after that. And all of a sudden, she became my daughter's mother, and we was not married. But that wasn't enough. Uh, I still believe that in my heart that maybe she wasn't the right one for me. But I, 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 I took care of my daughter. I supported my daughter. Um, but then I, my married, I met my wife, and I married my wife. So long story short, I got two baby moms. But they all get along. What's wonderful about it is, is that we're a blended family. It works very well. Uh, we we did a lot of things over the years with the kids. Uh, my babies, my daughter's mother got married, and we are we're, we continue as a family uh, friendship. There's no animosity. There was no animosity. We we did functions together. Anytime that was a celebration for my daughter, we went as a family. My wife and I and my son. Uh, we been to their house, they've been, you know, they, we've done a lot of things together through her undergraduate studies, her graduate studies, we, we celebrated all of those events together. Okay, well you're doing better than me, I have, I have two baby mamas too, uh, <laughs> join the club I guess. Okay, so uh, uh, tell me, what, what does it take to stay married? Ooh. Man, that's a strong, that is a, that's a major question right there, because uh, um, it takes compromise. Everybody says that, but it does. And, and, and men, I would say, I'm going to say, let me just put it like this. Most men do, do not have a good point of reference for marriage and what marriage looks like and what it takes to be married and stay married. And most of the things that we learn about marriage and what we think we know about marriage, we, we learn them from the wrong uh, situations, the wrong people. So we, we come into marriage with these ideas and these mindsets that really don't fit into the institution of marriage. Um, um, and I may, maybe I even had some of that because I think I got married on day one and wanted to be divorced on day five. I was like, I am. I ain't taking this for only five days. <laughs> but I didn't realize that, uh, you know, uh, marriage is, is a totally different concept than dating. Oh, you can date yeah. somebody forever. You know? Yeah. But somebody, when you, you sign that marriage certificate, boy, she changes. 
you become hers. Yep. <laughs> and and it shows. And I had to learn that. I had to learn that. <clears throat> I had to come to that understanding. And they that seven year thing they talk about that thing is true. Uh, you really have to make it to those seven years. I'm, I got a nephew right now. He's in year five, and he's having a fit. And I told him, you know, that you got you you got to make it to year seven. And you you know you you your wife is a part of you now. I mean, so anyway, um, so it was tough. Uh, I didn't have that. I didn't have that that backdrop. So I had to learn the hard way. Luckily, fortunately for me, I had given my life to Christ. And I had focused a lot on, on the book of Matthew and some of the other scriptures that talked to Peter that just talked about marriage and what my responsibility was as a husband, as the covering, uh, about the wife being the weaker vessel and, you know, that I was her covering. Right. So those things helped me. And then I started, it seems like I was just always finding myself in a situation where I was being taught or, or being given advice from a, a Christian perspective on marriage. So it helped me a great deal in understanding my role as a husband. And then all of a sudden I joined the church that I'm in now and we have a very strong men's ministry. Mm -hmm. And it focuses a lot on our responsibility as husbands, as fathers, as Christian men. And that has helped tremendously uh, for any man who's in a marriage. Marriage is a, is a, is a uh, religious situation is a, a religious sanctuary of sorts of something but you can't live in the world and be married because they don't go together yep they oh, just don't go together all in water <laughs> okay so let's get down to uh the question of the day we're here to talk about uh black men the problem question mark and i'm gonna stop it right there because i want to play something Black. No one wants to be black because black men, black men, black men are monkeys, problems, thugs. But that is not right. To me, being a black man in America means to be afraid. You have to subject yourself to being less than a human being in order for someone else to to feel better about themselves. Whenever I see a white female on the street, if I'm walking behind her, particularly if it's late at night, I actually go out of my way to not only pass her, but to pass her as wide as I can so that she can see me clearly and so that she can see that I have nothing in my hands. I'm tired of hearing that we make up the hatred and mistreatment that we receive from people in power. And the fact that if you're 15 years old and black and you're walking down the street with, with a hoodie on, you could be a target of some kind of harassment. I feel like we have targets on our backs. Black men. Black men. Black men. Are not just rappers, athletes. We're not all great dancers. Black men are intelligent. Multifaceted. Individuals. Compassionate. A person just like anybody else. This, 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 this is who I am. Michael, that was Michael Coyer from his YouTube channel, What About Us? So, Mr. Mac, what you think about that? Um, we got one paradigm with society say that we are. Then I'm looking through the prism of all the black men that I know. And I'm thinking... We, 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 there's some pretty successful black men out here that nobody talks about, including yourself. So are we a problem? That's an interesting question. I, <clears throat> is the black man the problem? Uh, actually, I, I believe the black man is the solution. Um, 
there's a lot of obstacles that keeps her from being the solution and and that sometimes we become our own problem but we're more the solution than the problem uh now for me where I, where i see it we get in our way uh, for me i think it's a cultural mindset uh, so our point of reference and i use my own stuff our point of reference sometimes is not it doesn't exist uh, we have a bad point of reference. So you grow up in a, in a single parent household where the father's never around. Uh, and maybe you're fortunate enough to have a strong-willed mother that you know pushes you in the right direction. You got certain gifts that you use and, and, and you succeed. Um, but you still have some hard knocks because daddy pain is real. And if you don't have your father around, you know, some of that lingers and, and it interferes with our success. In a lot of cases, uh, not all of them, but uh, a good deal. So, <clears throat> so while we are the, while we appear to be the problem, uh, in a lot of cases, the problem is in, it is imposed upon us by our environment, by our by social economics, uh, social status, education. Uh, some of us um, just have not been given, the, you know, some of us haven't acquired the right tools to get out of the paradigm that we're in. Uh, and then we do become a problem. Um, and sometimes we become the problem as far as the family structure goes because we didn't have those breadcrumbs to follow to know what to do. So we become a problem. Uh, but when we get it right, we are the solution. Uh, and a lot of us get it right. Uh, what, I, what I'm really proud of is, is that I see more and more and more mentoring taking place. Mentoring is, for me, is, I think it's a, it's a huge thing. And when a lot of the mentoring goes on indirectly. And maybe it's not even intentional. A lot of it's done out of love and concern, or, but it happens. And, and, and if you get a, a group of kids, that five kids, and if one of them gets it, you, you've accomplished something. So, uh, so what I what I've seen in my lifetime is that I see more men giving back than I see men taking away. I think w what has happened a lot in the past, to some degree, a lot of us take, but we don't give back. And what I, I see happening is there are this core of men that constantly, over the ages, gives back. As that number goes up. That, it, that question becomes now uh, less and less of a question. Okay, so that's one part of it. Black men, I'll be the problem. That's looking at it, our relationship to the community. What about are we the problem when it comes to black women? Mm. Uh, let, let, uh, I got another question. I am against abortion. Okay. And I will say this. <clears throat> Transparent. I have had one night stands, mm -hmm. and I often wonder: Did that person that I was with, did they leave pregnant? Um. So I'm asking. Well, I guess I guess it's two part. First part: Are uh, black men in a relationship to black women? Are we a problem? And and that question of black men and abortion. Mm -hmm. Major question, major question. 
promiscuity is is flaunted. The, the generation today is is faced and tasked with um, challenges that maybe we did not have. The challenge of the internet, the challenge of instant celebrityism, the 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 challenge of everything going viral. Um, so sex seems to sell. Sex is always sold, but nowadays sex is front and center uh, more than it has been before. It's always been there, but it seems like now it's more visual, which makes it more of a problem. Mm-hmm. And men are visual. Um, so uh, it makes that challenge even more. <clears throat> that there seems to be a shift in demographics. Uh, it's always been this way, but it seems it's more now than ever before that there seem to be far more women than men. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot more women are more financially positioned than they were in the past, uh, better right. positioned. Right. So now they can have what they want uh, without having to have to have a man, So, which probably makes to some strange degree, uh, maybe it's promiscuity even more a commonplace thing than it, than it was in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the, I think the thing for me is uh, that whole absence of the family structure is, is, a, is a continuing plague among uh, the African-American community. I think a lot of men these days are spoiled. Uh, I think they're spoiled for a lot of different reasons. I think they're spoiled by growing up in a single parent household where it's just a mother and a grandmother. And then they they date ladies that that they that would treat them the way that they mother and their grandmother treat them. Just let them continue to be spoiled mm-hmm. irrespective of their responsibilities. So how do you escape that but by, by leaving at eighteen? Um so um so the family structure has to be it, some, it has to be talked about. It has to be talked about at an early age. It just has to be reinforced. Re- it, there's no saying that what gets counted gets done. And I don't think the fact the black family structure how that that reinforcement is not counted enough. It's not valued enough. Uh, and the more the, the the more that that you have, the the more that you have of the black man not being a problem, but the less that, that you have, the more that you're gonna have that the black man is a problem. Because I promise you, it's not women that's out gang banging or doing these things, it's men. Okay. And there may be some women that follow the men. Right. But I promise you, there's no woman riding up the beltway or 295 and shooting inside somebody's car because they stepped on their sneak and disrespected them. And they followed them just because they were disrespected. So those, those are generally being done by men. Okay. Changing this. Let's, now, let's, this abortion thing. Let me read this. Uh, this is from the um, last censors. Uh, they say just over 13% of the U.S. population is black. And yet somewhere between 28% and 38% of all U.S. abortions are performed on black babies. Hmm. As of July 2019, the black population in the United States stood somewhere around 44 million, which means that abortion has reduced the size of the black community by more than 30%. Mm. So my question, 
are black men responsible for abortion of black babies? So, uh, are we the problem? So, uh, uh, miseducation is a, is a major problem. Uh, misplaced responsibility is a major problem. Are, are we responsible? Uh, that, that is a, you know, I think we are a big, we are a major contributing factor to that because of the lack of one understanding and two being responsible because, um, and I'm not saying it's not happening in other cultures, uh, but, but no one culture is more economically challenged than the black culture. Uh, and I think education, uh, I think, I, I think social economics, uh, has everything to do with it. Uh, I, I believe there's a lot of uh, promiscuity going around with everybody. Um, but does, is birth control a, a mindset in the black community? Maybe not. Why is black, why is birth control not a mindset? Because nobody ever talked about it that way. <clears throat> and so I think men contribute to the problem. Uh, and I almost hate to say it, but I, I think the lack of, you know, maybe control by the women contributes too. I don't, this is my opinion, that uh, women are not responsible. I honestly believe women follow. I couldn't agree more. Uh, I, I absolutely agree with you a thousand percent. I absolutely agree with that a thousand percent. I think in men, I totally agree with that. I, I can't argue that because I do believe women follow. Um, and, I, and I'm telling you, there's a, there's a huge absence <clears throat> of understanding and responsibility among young blacks. And, and it's because of this, this I, Larry, I keep going back to it. I, I think the family structure is, is, is torn up in the black community. Um, I don't know what the numbers are, but I promise you there are more uh, babies being born to unwedded parents and uh, single parents in the black culture than anywhere. And the question is, why is that? Why, why are so many men uh, leading, you know, impregnating these ladies and going on as if nothing has ever happened. And it has been that way for a while. So it's been, but it's, it is a disease. And for me, I think it's, it's, it's promoted by, uh, I think America promotes the fact that they don't, there's not enough said about the black family structure. We just don't have it. And if you don't have that, you can't teach morals and responsibility. And, uh, you can't you can't teach that if you're not around, and, and it's just not there. Okay, so in my opinion, it takes you have to be, to be economically stable to have a stable family. Do you think economics have something with uh, black men dysfunction? Uh, yep, I, I absolutely, at least when I was coming up through the ranks, and I, you've heard this like most, that as a black man or as a black female, you got to do twice as much to get the same recognition as somebody that's non-white, that's non-black. Um, and I think that happens from, a, from an economic standpoint, is that if, if you got a husband and a wife, uh, it takes, for them, it takes twice as much to raise 
family of two or three as it does anybody else, simply because of wage or education, uh, just where you live. Housing is everything. Uh, there's no wealth in apartment dwelling. And we haven't really figured it out yet. Uh, you can't build wealth living in apartments. And, and, and the way, so, and if you don't buy dirt or this, it's hard to build wealth because that builds responsibility. There's, there's, a whole, there's a whole structure that goes with when you're married and you have the responsibility of paying for mortgage and taxes and insurance and, and plumbing repairs. And it's, a, it's a different mindset with that than going in and paying rent and if a pipe burst, you just pick the phone up and call and you don't have to pay for that. You're not responsible. Two different mindsets. Yeah, okay. Well, um, that's all. Well, I guess we'll never get to the bottom of this question. Are black men mm. a problem to the black community? Are, are black men a problem to black women? And uh, I guess it's still up in the air. So uh, it's been a pleasure, Mr. Mack. Absolutely. Uh, you have any closing words for uh, listeners to this podcast? Yeah, I say uh, keep tuning in to to Mr. Black. I think, I think Mr. Black has got a good thing going here. There's a lot to be learned from what it is that Mr. Black is trying to, trying to get out here for us to listen to. I mean, you can listen to all your music all you want to, but I think every now and then you should tune in to Mr. Black to be educated. All right, now, uh, please hit me up on Twitter, uh, Black Not Blackish or Blackish Not. And uh, it's just a variety of uh, the way I think. So uh, remember how you think determines what you do and what you do determines what you have. Cause you nothing, be smart. Get a dream, dream big. Because I believe in black people. But in order to learn anything, the first thing you must do is listen. Uh, have a great day. And always remember, you are young, gifted, and black. And that's a fact.